Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. God will use a nation an ungodly nation, to bring judgment upon another ungodly nation. We see that throughout the Bible, God uses, he used Nebuchadnezzar, an ungodly king, an ungodly nation. He used them to come against all the ungodly nations around, including his own people. Psalm 24, it says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It all belongs to him. So he has the right to say, Do this and do that. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob continues our study in Deuteronomy chapter 2 as Moses reminisces how God is sovereign over all of his creation. As Pastor Rob analyzes this part of the scripture, we learn that God does what is best for all through the actions of all nations and people. We can use this teaching as a picture for us today. Sometimes God will orchestrate things in our lives that may appear to have no meaning at all. However, God knows the reason for everything, and we should always accept His will and sovereignty. Let's listen to Pastor Rob with today's teaching. Bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son, notice this, he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust. I have to remember that sometimes. You know, it's like even, you know, when I think of Pastor Jeff and Linda right now, you know, and other Christians that we know in that area, you know, they're, they're going through a tough, I mean, it could be a lot worse, and there's no doubt, but they lost their power. God causes these things to happen to the just and the unjust. You know, we're, we're, he's no respecter of persons. He's got a plan in all of it. He's got, a, he's got a plan in the whirlwind. That's what the prophet says. God has his way in the whirlwind. And that could be applied many different ways. But Jesus said, For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. And so, as they go through Edom, the very thing that they feared happens. In Numbers chapter 20, uh, you might as well go there. Let's look at verse 14. Because they, they go into the land of Edom. They, they just want to pass through. But as you know, they are going to be met with resistance. Their brethren are going to come out after them. Numbers chapter 20, just start in verse 14, just down through 21. 
It says, Now Moses sent messengers from Kadesh to the land of Edom. Thus says your brother Israel, You know all the hardship that has befallen us, how our fathers went down to Egypt, and how we dwelt in Egypt a long time, and the Egyptians afflicted us and our fathers. And when we cried out to the Lord, he heard our voice and sent the angel and brought us up out of the land of Egypt. Now here we are in Kadesh, a city on the edge of your border. And here's the request. Please let us pass through your country. We will not pass through fields or vineyards, nor will we drink water from wells, because in that area of the country or in that area of the world it's very arid, very dry. Water and, 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 and things to eat are very, very prized commodities. He says, We won't eat we won't drink your water, we won't, you know, take it, we won't go through your vineyards, we will go along the king's highway, and we will not turn aside to the right hand or to the left until we have passed through your territory. And then Edom said to him, You shall not pass through my land, lest I come out against you with the sword. So the children of Israel said to him, We will go by the highway, and if I or my livestock drink any of your water, then I will pay for it. Let me only pass through on foot, nothing more. And then he said, You shall not pass through. So Edom came out against them with many men and with a strong hand, and thus Edom refused to give Israel passage through its territory. And so Israel turned away from him. You know, and I, I think of these two chapters, and, and, and I almost had a, a name for them. The ends don't justify the means. Meaning that God's plan was to get them from one place to another. And the means would just be go through and just, anybody gets in your way, just, tear them apart. <laughs> Just get the bulldozer out and tear them apart. But I love it how God says, you know, even though I've got a plan and I'm, I'm taking you through this, I want you to be careful of your brothers over here. So careful. God is so delicate like that, and I love that about him. Don't you love that about him? He cares about people, and he cares about people that are different than you. He cares about people that are different from your faith, that our faith Granted, there is only one way to God. We know that. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There's no disputing that. But how we need to have a sensitive and careful heart and a loving heart toward those who aren't like us. We don't have to condone their behavior. We don't have to condone their wrong teaching. We can just simply love them. More is done, more is won by love than through a sword. Amen? More is won through love than by words. And I'm learning that. So, verse 6. You shall buy food from them with money that you may eat, and you shall buy water from them with money that you may drink. So, in other words, pay for it. How equitable is God? He is very equitable, and he's fair. Actually, God is not always fair, but he's just. Have you ever noticed that? God is not fair but he's just. Is it fair for God to choose one man, Jacob, over Esau? You know, whenever uh, Christmas in my family occurs, there's a family member who has two kids, two boys, and it's typical, and, and it's probably right to do so, to keep the peace. You, when you buy one for one thing, you get this, the other one the same, the same thing or comparable. You know, God forbid you should get one Something really nice, and the other one, eh, not so bad. Think of the dollar amount here. You spent $200 on him, I'm going to make it up and make, make sure I spend $200 for them, otherwise his nose is going to get bent. You know, and, you know, and it's just, it's kind of funny, isn't it? 
but God says he's equitable. But he's, he's not necessarily fair, but he's just. How can he choose Jacob and not choose Esau? Well, it is the way it is. God had a plan for him. God had a plan for him. And we need to move on. Maybe you feel that way. Maybe you felt jilted somewhere along the way. Well, that's not fair, Lord. You allowed this to happen to me. Why me, Lord? Why not them? And I can almost hear the Lord saying, like he did with Peter and John, when John was complaining about what Peter was going to do. Or what about or, or when John was talking about, um, actually Peter was talking about John. Lord, what about him? And he's like, don't worry about him. You follow me. Just you. You follow me. You follow me. <laughs> right? And that's so hard for us. I love those horses. When you, when you see them on the streets, they got those little black caps. That's to keep them looking forward and not be distracted by everything around them. Sometimes I think that we should all get those things and stick them on our glasses and just kind of have these cups that go over like this and will look like those Clydesdales or look like those horses, those mounted patrolmen to keep our focus. Verse 7, he says, For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the works of your hand, he knows you're trudging through this great wilderness. It was a horrible, dry, difficult place. These 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you. You have lacked nothing. And when we pass beyond our brethren, the descendants of Esau, who dwell in Seir, away from the road of the plain, away from Elat and ezion which if you look up here in the, on the map again, Elat and ezion is right here in the corner. It's, it's the... Elat is the name of the city now. It's a very nice resort. I've never been there, but I know people who have, and it's very beautiful there. But he says, these 40 years, God has been with you. Uh, Yeah, so away from the plain, away from Elat, we turned and we passed by way of the wilderness of Moab. And then the Lord said to me, again, notice this, do not harass Moab, nor contend with them in battle. Now, there are times when God says, I want you to engage. I want you to go against them. In fact, you initiate the war. You go in and you wipe everything out, man, woman, and child. And boy, that's hard for us in the 21st century to swallow. In our culture, really? Wipe out everybody, Lord? Yeah, wipe out everybody. And then other times he's going to say, don't mess with them at all. Leave them alone. And God has his reasons. The children of uh, the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Parasites and the Jebusites and the Hivites, all those seven nations that Israel was going to rep- or possess, God had waited a long time for that people group to turn from their idolatry, to turn from their burning their kids in the fire to their false gods, Molech and others and Remphan and all these other things. He gave them time to repent, and they did not repent. And there is a time when God says, I've had enough had enough. Your judgment is coming, and there's nothing that's going to stop it. Nothing that's going to stop it. See, I'm so glad that we're not on the judgment end of God. I'm so glad that Jesus has taken my sin and your sin, and he has put it away on the cross. He's dealt with it once and for all. He said it is finished. No longer to be looked upon again. No longer to bring up to your face when you're at the the beam of seat judgment, when you get to glory. He's not going to say, you know, you sort of did it, but not quite. (laughs) It's not going to be that way at all. He's going to say, welcome. You may have a loss of reward, but you're going to make it in. And maybe you'll get rewards. Praise the Lord for that. But notice, do not harass Moab, verse 9, nor contend with them in battle, for I will not give you any of their land as a possession, because I have given Ar to the descendants of Lot as a possession. And this, the city Ar is an interesting thing. Uh, if you look up here on the screen again, 
right up here is a river. In fact, Moab and um, Edom and um, Moab and Reuben, the land of Reuben, there's a, there's a, a river right here called Ar- Arnon. And right in this river, right there in that river, right in the center of the river is a little piece of land. It's quite large, but it's a, it's a piece. And they call it Ar. It, it's, it's the border. And, and, uh, and so God is telling them, don't even mess with them. Leave them alone. I've given this land to Moab. And you remember Moab, don't you? Remember Lot in Genesis 19, when God was leading Lot and his family out of Sodom and Gomorrah, and they left, and they, they finally, you know, at least the father and the two daughters made it out alive, and they hid in a cave as the, you know, the sulfur and the, all that hell was breaking loose on those two cities. The judgment was coming down. And there came a point where Lot's daughters had the incestuous relationship with their father to raise seed, because so, they were thinking this is the end of all things, right? And the product of that, those two daughters, was Moab and Ben-Ami, which is Ammon. Moab and Ammon. Moab is this group right here. If you look up here, this people group right here. And it's, it's no surprise that it's right near the Dead Sea, right down this area down here is where we believe Sodom and Gomorrah is. But those people, that people group, Lot's descendants, Lot's sons, settled right there in Moab. But God says... I have given them that land, so stay away from them. And again, God's mercy and grace, even in, 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 in such sordid sort of circumstances. I mean, this is very hard to even think about, but God nonetheless says, I promised them this land. I've given it to them. Stay away from them. And I love that. Verse 10, the Emim had dwelt there in times past, a people as great and numerous and tall as the Anakim. It's interesting, this Anakim is, is a race of people, that were very large in stature. The Bible calls them giants. And um, Emim, actually the name means terrors. And for good reason. These people were extremely tall. You put these guys on the, on the running back. You, you make one of these guys a running back in football, it's going to take the whole team to bring this guy down. He's going to blast through, and everyone's just going to sit there with their mouth wide open watching him run with the ball to the, field or to the goal line. Right? These are huge, huge people. And they're called terrorists for good reason. And Anakim, the name actually means long-necked. Long-necked. These were very tall people. And they were descendants of Anak. That's why they call them Anakim. So verse 11, they were also regarded as giants. The word giants literally means Rephaim. Whenever you see the word I am after a, a phrase or a name, an im is the plural, like Nephilim, Rephaim. Repha or Rapha was the progenitor of this race of giants. He said, like the Anakim, but the Moabites called them Emim, or terrors. So it really doesn't matter what you call them. They're really huge, they're really scary, they probably didn't brush their teeth, and they probably ate a lot of garlic with humans, eating humans with garlic. All right, <laughs> These people were a genetic nightmare. Okay, It was like Three Mile Island, something went wrong and this happened. So, really bad problem. But verse 12, it says, the Horites, and I like this too, because it, it gives us a little history on this area too. He says, the Horites, this people group, formerly dwelt in Seir, but the descendants of Esau dispossessed them and destroyed them from before them and dwelt in their place, just as Israel did to the land of their possession, which the Lord gave them. Notice that. The Lord gave it to them. They weren't being greedy just to possess more land. They were taking what God had given 
to them. And I love that, again, how God will use a nation, an ungodly nation, to bring judgment upon another ungodly nation. We see that throughout the Bible. God uses, he used Nebuchadnezzar, an ungodly king, an ungodly nation. He used them to come against all the ungodly nations around, including his own people. Psalm 24, it says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It all belongs to him. So he has the right to say, do this and do that. Stay away from these folks. Wipe every single thing that you see, any living thing, wipe it completely out. And boy, that's hard for us to see. You know, people who are opposed to God, who hate the Bible, who hate Jesus, this is one of the things that they can't stand. And it doesn't bother me anymore. It used to bother me. And we'll get into it a little bit later. But in Leviticus, God said very plainly in Leviticus chapter 25, verse 23, he says, speaking of the redemption of property, he says, the land shall not be sold permanently, for the land is mine. God says the land is mine, for you are strangers and sojourners with me. And in Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 19 and 20, says this, he says, But if you turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments which I have set before you, and you go and you serve other gods and worship them, then I will uproot them from my land which I have given them. So even his own people, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. Now arise and cross over the valley of Zered. So we crossed over the valley of Zered. The valley of Zered is this place right up here. If you notice up on the screen, right below the Dead Sea, there's this little uh, a river. It's called the Zered River, right there where the red line is. Well, you can see it's a valley, and there's mountains on either side of it. And so that's what he's talking about. They're getting ready to cross that area. And he says in verse 14, And the time we took to come from Kadesh Barnea until we crossed over the valley of the Zered was 38 years, until all the generation of the men of war was consumed from the midst of the camp, just as the Lord had sworn to them. For indeed, the hand of the Lord was against him, against them, to destroy them from the midst of the camp until they were consumed. And so it was. When all the men of war had finally perished from among the people, that the Lord spoke to me, saying, This day you are to cross over at Ar, the boundary of Moab. And we looked at that just a moment ago, this, this area right here, between Moab and um, right here, the, the, the Arnon River. And there's that city or that little area of Ar right in the center of that, that river. Verse 19, it says, And when you come near the people of Ammon, notice, this is the brother of Moab, the product of this incestuous relationship, which we don't understand, and it just, it, it's a freaky thing, in our, in our, especially in our culture. Back in, in this culture, it was forbidden at that time, but we know that God allowed it when, the, when, when things were just getting started, you know, the, the human race was beginning, those things were naturally going to happen. But as time went on, God says, don't do that. You know, and so here we have uh, the children of Ammon, the very the brother of Moab, and he says, "And when you come near the people of Ammon, do not harass them or meddle with them, for I have not given you any of the land of the people of Ammon as a possession, because I have given it to the descendants of Lot as a possession." Again, the grace of God. I've given them a land. I care about them, even if they turn away from me. I'm going to bless them, and I'm going to give them an inheritance. And again, I can't escape that. I can't escape the love of God in that. Because I can be so self-centered and so self-focused as a Christian that I forget that anybody else exists. 
And yet God loves every single person that we come in contact with. Verse 20. That was also regarded as a land of giants, this land of, of, of Ammon. Giants formerly dwelt there, but the Ammonites called them Zamzumim. And Zamzumim literally means plotters, but others called them Rephaim. And so, regardless of what they called them, you notice there's a, there's a similarity in the names. You know, these are just strange people. I, I'm curious of what the name plotters really means. Maybe they're plotting everybody else's death. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But they, they were called plotters. But they were giants, and they were fearful. A people in great as numerous and tall as the Anakim. But the Lord destroyed them from before them, and they dispossessed them and dwelt in their place, just as he had done for the descendants of Esau who dwelt in Seir when he destroyed the Horites from before them. And they dispossessed them and dwelt in their place even to this day. And the Avim who dwelt in villages as far as Gaza, the Kaftorim who came from Kaftor, destroyed them and dwelt in their place. You know, it's interesting, in, in Genesis chapter 10, it says the Kaftorim. And um, if, you, if you go to Genesis chapter 10, in the table of nations, it has something really interesting there for us. I'm going to resist the urge to go too much into this because for some reason, this is one of my hobby horses, this particular topic. So I'm going to stay away from it. Um, but notice in, in verse 13 of Genesis chapter 10, you know, it's giving the descendants of, of Noah, Shem, Ham, and uh, Japheth, and it also goes into detail of some of the their their offspring and and their uh, the men who came from these different these three different men, and from the line of Ham it says in verse thirteen that Mizraim begot Ludim, Anamim, Lehabim, and Naphtuhim, and Pathrusim, and Kasluhim, from which came the Philistines and Kaphtorim. So the Philistines came from they were from the line of Ham. That means they were a non-Semitic people. Non-Semitic. They weren't from the line of Shem. They were from the line of Ham. And one of the things, if I can go back to this map here. Actually, I don't have the map. If you look up on the screen, right up here, you'll know that there's an island of Crete way up here in the distance. That I, I, I didn't get a picture of it. But there's, a, there's the island of Crete. Well, that, that area was called Kaftorim. And this is where the Philistines, the sea-wearing people, that's where they came from. And they originally came down to Egypt and that you can see, uh, let me see here if I can bring up, uh, actually, this is the one I want to see here. There we go. Um, right up here, you can see right here on this island of Crete, it says Kaftorim. And this is where the, the, the Philistines and this people group came from. And they tried to come down to here, and notice it says Kazluhim, which was one of the other brothers of, uh, of the Philistines. They tried to come down here, and the, the Egyptians kicked them out and drove them out, and so the Philistines ultimately settled over here on the bank of the Mediterranean Sea, and that's where David encountered them, and that's where they had lived for a long time, and that's the people that they were going to possess. That's why Saul and David had so many campaigns against the Philistines. These people came from Kaftor. And so the reason I bring that up is because it says right here, they dwelt in villages as far as Gaza, the Kaftorim, who came from Kaftor, which is Crete, destroyed them and dwelt in their place. And you remember, um, we're not going to go there for the sake of time, but when David went out against Goliath, Goliath was of the race of those giants. 
and Goliath, if you remember. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office for ordering details. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio or sanctuary messages in MP3 format, free of charge, from the resources link. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcast. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until this same time tomorrow, this has been Truth in Christ.